This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Claggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you? doing i'm feeling like i'm wearing a couple of hats you wear several hats it's like uh, it's stacked to the roof pretty much pretty much that, that's that's a good way to describe you how are you doing nicole i'm doing well how are you i'm doing wonderful excited for our show this evening and we're gonna be talking about something that is very important to our caregivers. And Nicole, that is the subject of self-care. Yes, yes. And I know we can get really serious a lot talking about, you know, the nuances of the business of caregiving and who pays for what and how do we do this. But what about the important topic of how do we take care of ourselves while we're doing what we're doing with our loved ones? And so super excited today to talk to Howie Sheriff with You Call This Yoga. And he's going to be talking to us about really how to utilize yoga to care for yourself as a caregiver and also talk to us about how we can utilize yoga to assist the loved ones we're caring for. Welcome. Thank you, Nicole. Yes, uh, caregiving has been part of my history as a dentist for 25 years, uh, and I felt that I had endless energy to put out towards my patients. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, one of my patients was a yoga teacher, and so about 22 years ago, I was introduced to the practice of gentle yoga. Gentle yoga. Mm-hmm. Gentle yoga. So it's not like that turning yourself into a pretzel stuff. If you looked at my body, listeners on the air, <laughs> you would say, this is not a pretzel. It might be a nugget more than a uh, twisty. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, dear. So so let's, let's talk a little bit about self-care. You know, I think intuitively we all know that that's important, but there really is some real true physical and emotional reasons why it's important to take care of ourselves. Gosh, yes. Uh, I'll also be speaking as a recipient of care as well as a provider of care, as I've had many major surgeries, even one a couple of months ago. And so there's been caregivers for me, and I can say that caregivers have a defined amount of energy. Mm. And we don't think that, though. We that think it goes correct. on and on and on. Exactly, because there's a purpose. There's, mm. there's a mm-hmm. desire. There's love. Uh, and the challenge is, is how to harness that effectively. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy as a caregiver. Uh, so even just figuring out what is the right amount of care to give mm-hmm. is is also a challenging start. And not to feel guilty about it when you set that limit. Yes. <laughs> and it's a guideline. It's yeah. not necessarily uh, rigid because things change they all the do. time. And as a patient, I could say that there is a desire to have less care than what's offered. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, because ha- as human beings, we just have that feeling that we've got this, we can handle it, we don't need help. Or also, I just really want to go in a hole and just lay there. <laughs> I'm serious, this yeah. is really true over the last couple of months, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, where things haven't gone as smoothly as one might have hoped. Yep. I just want to be, mm-hmm. and that's what the concept of yoga can 
be described as is learning to be as opposed to labeling mm-hmm. and, and being with someone, being with yourself, being with a condition mm-hmm. and working with it. You know, interestingly, you know, I've been a family caregiver twice in my life, and I guess you could still call me a caregiver now since I have three small kids. Well, not they're not that small anymore. But, um, but you know, this past year has been a huge challenge for me. So not only, you know, do I run a caregiver support center, so, you know, responsible for an organization that supports all the people caregiving for loved ones out there in the community, you know, I, I experienced many different transitions in work and, you know, my personal life with a family member passing away and I was recently at a doctor's appointment and she was just kind of going over my past year review and did good doctor questions, asked some specific questions and she's just like how are you still standing? And I thought to myself, well, that's probably why I'm feeling so tired because, you know, you don't realize, like you said, there's just a finite amount of go. And my husband says to me, geez, you used to just be able to go with six hours of sleep and you really seem to need eight hours now. And I'm like, I'm telling you what, I think I'm just still recovering from this past year. It's just, it takes a lot out of you. Recovery is not what we anticipate. It's not as fast as you thought it would be. I have edema in my leg Mm. from just my body not functioning properly to get the fluid out. And that's a risk, but how can one anticipate having edema? Right. And then what the consequences of that emotionally are and... Mm -hmm. Limiting, how limiting it is and, and, yes. and whatnot. And I, and I think, you know, when caregivers end their caregiving journey, um, in a second I want to get to kind of how to help yourself during the journey, you know, they often sit back and look at the past weeks, months, years, and they're a shell of who they used to be. And then they don't even remember what they used to do before the time of caregiving. And truly, you know, people who really have that I'm going to go at it attitude do hit a wall. And then it's really about reinventing yourself and finding out, you know, well, what am I if I'm not defined as a caregiver anymore? Oh, there is a tremendous void. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a father-in-law in town who was receiving a lot of care for pain management before my hip surgery. And there was this pursuit of getting him stable, getting him stable, because I'm going to be out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And I felt a, a, a pressure on a micro level to to just be there, even though it was more than necessary. I created my own uh, mandatory uh, availability because of my perception of what he needed. And he did need it, uh, but it create I can create, as well as anyone else, a fantasy of what is the right amount of care. Exactly. And then on the other side, the person receiving care, let's just say they had a cancer diagnosis. One of the things we often hear about, even at Transitions Life Care, is you know people are receiving a treatment for a while, and then all of a sudden you're in remission and things stop. And then people are scared to death of the stop. Like, now what do I do? Because this treatment process has been going on for, you know, months of my life. And all I've been focusing on is getting better, shrinking a tumor, fixing my cancer. And now they're telling me I'm in remission and it's gone. Now what do I do? And then they're scared. Yes, because we identify with so many things. Yes. (laughs) As the patient, a friend of mine just had heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And his whole identity of how he moves in the world is grossly changed. Mm -hmm. I had a a limb operation. How I literally move in the world has changed. (laughs) Literally, yeah. But we both have the internet and the phone. Yep. But it's degree of trauma Mm -hmm. that is the setback that is disdefining of of who we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if we're used to being out in the world and negotiating, 
now we're not in a great negotiating position and it's comes to so what is the yoga of this right. what is the uh what is the lesson mm-hmm. uh if one would say well what is yoga yoga is the idea of just being with something without having to label it mm-hmm. uh, sitting in that space in that space and structurally uh to be in a space to breathe mm-hmm. uh, most of the time when we've had trauma or we're hovering to give someone attention we've wrapped and encased them in some emotional or physical way and we've cl- closed our body a little bit in trying to encase them and therefore as the caregiver and as the recipient we're not likely to breathe as well Excellent. We've got Howie Sheriff here in the studio. He is with You Call This Yoga, and we'll continue our conversation on self-care right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Special guest here in the studio with, with us right now is Howie Sheriff. He's with You Call This Yoga and Nicole. We're talking all about self-care, an often overlooked part of caregiving. It really is. And, and, and caregiving or anything that you're going through through your life that may just be a very stressful time, I, I we need to stop and take a breath. My gosh, when you travel to another country that is not the U.S., and you just you instantly feel a different pace. This country is so... It's so wound up. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to get to some practical tips from Howie about kind of the why we need to do this and, and the how we need to do this. Lovely. Uh, why? Yoga is an opportunity to explore how we're living in the world. Uh, the first thing for me is we sit consistently. Uh, whether you're a caregiver, the patient, mm-hmm. going and coming, and we put ourselves into a chair, taking the shape of a chair, which is not necessarily how humans were designed to be walking. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that really constricts our breathing capacity as we lean forward. So I'll invite everyone to consider starting with your feet and can you actually get your feet flat on the floor where you are? Uh, once you get your feet flat on the floor, you could actually possibly sit up a little differently than if you were crossing your legs, if you were in man spread, something, <laughs> something that was really out of the ordinary, doing a little dance with your feet throughout the day. Once you get your feet down on the floor, you might actually consider uncrossing your arms and, and letting them sit by your side, because if you were standing in attention, your hands would be by your side. And that's the first pose in yoga called mountain. If you moved onto a chair and hinged your knees and your hips, and you put your hands across your legs, then you're sort of collapsing like a crater. (laughs) Craters may not breathe very much, they're a collapsed mountain. (laughs) (laughs) So therefore, if you can picture someone meditating, their palms are up. Mm -hmm. How much time of the day do you spend with your palms down? Well, that closes you down too. So therefore, if you sat with your palms up, and they're on your thighs, 
you might actually be able to breathe through your nose and take a breath. Now why that matters is because breathing can influence your nervous system. And if you're kind of stressed out and dealing with medical crises and life-threatening conditions, you might be a little agitated on some level perpetually. And having the opportunity to take a slow, easy breath can allow your nervous system to calm down a little bit. So why don't you try that? See if you can slowly, but not prolong, take a slow breath in through your nose for a count of one or two, and then invite the breath to leave and consider counting to one, two, maybe three. Because the longer exhale does invite more calmness. And you could practice that by yourself as the caregiver. If you're a patient, you can consider if you're in the bed, can you get a little more back support so you're not cratered out? Can you undo your collapsed chest and just let your body get support by pillows? And just breathe through your nose, possibly, and using your mouth if necessary. We once had a guest come on air that talked about the importance of the caregiver timeout. You know, we mm. often joke, joke about, you know, putting the kids in timeout for five minutes and half the time it's just so mom can, or dad can get a break. And it really sounds like that this method is something that a family caregiver could utilize when they just need five minutes to just regroup, to chill out, and to breathe. Literally. Yes, yes, because we are so ready to care and to deliver that we're almost there with bated breath. Mm -hmm. You're almost holding your breath ready to go. Mm -hmm. And you can't do enough. Mm -hmm. So even that, there's an agitation. And it is about taking a little pit stop. Maybe two. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So what can a person expect to experience if they're participating in this type of activity? I would invite that if you went to our YouTube channel, You Call This Yoga, and saw some of our programs, you might have improved posture because you'll learn how to utilize chairs and pillows to actually support your body. That may reduce tension in your neck and shoulders and back. It may allow you to unwind a little bit more and sleep at night a little bit better. And if you get the mechanics right of sitting up, then you may not be so crickety and in a better position to maneuver your loved one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then also, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we're hearing a lot more evidence out there about what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And really moving is just so important for ourselves and for those we're caring for to even help them manage their chronic illnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that you would um, recommend that families perhaps try to do together with a, an older adult that they're caring for? To whatever degree mm-hmm. people are receptive to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so misunderstood as to what it is Mm -hmm. that sometimes not calling it yoga can be as inviting as calling it yoga. Right. And and if you call it stress reduction, Mm -hmm. if you call it... Exercise in general. Tension reduction. (laughs) uh, But it's also getting the movement within the body Mm -hmm. and working the brain. Uh, But it also allows one to focus on what can I be doing as opposed to... uh, entrapped in my condition. So it sounds like to me you have um, some really great practical tips. You have the ability for folks to kind of watch along at home if they aren't able to get out to things as well. But it also looks like you have an event coming up as well. I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Thrilled to. Uh, Yoga Fest NC is our annual 
community event at the McKimmon Center in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. We have about 500 people attending. It's for all levels of skill, beginners, physically challenged, as well as the very skilled yogis. It has an expo marketplace for businesses. We have scholarships, and we have nonprofits there sharing their message, too. Uh, the yogafestnc.com is where you can get more information. Uh, it's our eighth year. Wow. And the funds that we raise here as the profits are to support our programs in Raleigh and Durham, bringing yoga to veterans, people managing cancer, addiction recovery, physical challenge, and underserved youth. So talk to us a little bit more about if folks want more information about you and your program, how do they go ahead and do that? Well, our website, youcallthisyoga.org, has our calendar, so there are free classes that are listed there and some low pay. We also have education on there on the page called Learn Yoga, where you can have podcasts, videos, little pearls of wisdom, and blogs where people are sharing their insights. So you can be practicing and learning tidbits of yoga just about anywhere, even in the car. And how has yoga changed your life? Wow. I'm practicing yoga in some form most of the day. I have enough changes and traumas that uh, working with what I have to deal with is integral. Uh, I still wake up every night because of my discomfort and I just practice yoga in the middle of the night trying not to get upset with what I can't control. But it also is a vehicle for me to be out in the world uh, helping others and engaging others because yoga is about community. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't participating in others, whether it be yoga or something else, but yoga is my path, uh, I would be a a less happy individual. And you think it's made a difference with your physical conditions and and your mobility today? Do you think you would look a lot different if you weren't doing this? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's part of my recovery. Mm -hmm. And it's necessary because I've already gotten enough compromise in my body that uh, I'm not living in the land of denial as greatly (laughs) as I was before. And this is part of acceptance. And Mm -hmm. then I have less tension about it. That's wonderful. That is. We've got Howie Sheriff here. He is with You Call This Yoga. He mentioned a YouTube channel, and that is You Call This Yoga. You can follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under You Call This Yoga. Howie is the best number for folks to contact you, 919-522-2646. Absolutely. Excellent. Again, that number again, 919-522-2646. 2646. Howie Sheriff with You Call This Yoga. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. We appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Look forward to engaging with the audience when ready. Excellent. We look forward to hearing about it. Go go get your yoga on. Do that. (laughs) Tell us about it. We want to hear about it. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. 
And Nicole, we're going to revisit a topic that is always important, and that has to do with home care. Yes, yes. Home care is definitely near and dear to my heart. And the reality of it is, is most people would love to age in place in home. Yes. If, if, if they have an option, that's where they want to be. So I'm super excited to have us today, have with us today, Tom Arnold. He is the CEO and owner of Right at Home right here in Raleigh. And um, he's going to be talking to us about those transitions because transitional care is something that we're hearing a lot more about. It's making even waves onto mainstream media. And really, you know, people are going home sicker than they've ever gone home before. And really, how do we piece that together? And how do we make sure that they have a positive experience and not end up right back into that hospital system? So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here. So you have been with Right at Home for, or owned Right at Home here in Wake County for how many years now? Uh, we just celebrated 10 years. Wow. That's a long time. 10 years, yeah. So your anniversary and my little Godding Lights anniversary are pretty close together. We're almost yeah. on 10 years as well. So yeah, I, I think it's about long we've known each other. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, we've met, I think, a few times, right? Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about your interest in transitional care. Well, transitional care has become a, a real hot topic or buzzword in the industry. Um, hospital and rehab stays are becoming shorter and shorter mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, and we can we, you know we can elaborate more on that. But as people transition from a hospital stay or a rehab stay, they're they're going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times they go directly home from the hospital and bypass rehab or a skilled nursing facility, and that that creates some issues. Obviously, as you mentioned, going home sicker. Obviously, they're going home with care required. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they meet with that discharged nurse or the doctor in the hospital, they're given that packet of material that says, these are the things that we want you to do when you get home to help with your recovery. Well, how the importance of that is, do they really do it? And how well do they do it? And can they do it on their own? Or do they need the assistance of either family members or private caregivers or professional caregivers. And a huge hole in the system, frankly, is we're sending them home, and we may have an idea of what home is, but we may not have any idea what the conditions are in the home. I mean, for mobility purposes, clutter, cleanliness, tripping hazards, I mean, the whole nine yards. Well, of course, my business deals primarily with the senior population, Mm -hmm. people with disabilities, and a tremendous number of seniors today live alone. Mm Mm-hmm. So if they go into a hospital or a rehab environment, they may be there for days or weeks or even months. And when they go home, that home environment is not appropriate at that point for them to move back in there without some, some changes or, or some assistance. There may not be any food in the refrigerator. You know, uh, Some of the pitfalls in the transitional care s- start with understanding that discharge plan and what you're required to do when you leave the hospital. And competency is a huge issue. I mean, and, and this is a big piece of the conversation that we're hearing out there in the healthcare world is writing things and teaching people what they have to do in the way that they understand. I mean, to you and I, it would be old hat to hear, well, this person needs a two-person assist transfer. But if you're a family member who has literally just gone through you know, their loved one coming out of having a really bad pneumonia and being in intensive care for a period of days and now being sent home and being told to do it, number of things this it's like being dropped on mars and it's it's very overwhelming one of the one of the big pitfalls is uh, medication mm-hmm. um, 
I, I kind of look at myself as an example. I come from this from two perspectives, <laughs> from a patient perspective, because I am a senior. Uh-huh. And I've had a, a numerous hospital stays in my life. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a lifelong heart patient. So I've had a lot of that transitional care in my own world. But I also run a company that provides care for people in transition. So I, I come fr- to this subject from two different perspectives. Medication management is, is a concern. For example, if you're a heart patient and you're on a blood thinner, let's say you're on Xarelto or, or you're on uh, Coumadin, mm-hmm. and you go in for a heart procedure, you're taken off that blood thinner when you go into the hospital. You may be taken off some of your other medications as well. When you come out of that hospital stay, you may be on new medications. And that reconciliation between the old and the new medications, often there's, there's a disconnect you're dealing with new doctors versus the doctors that you dealt with prior to going into the hospital. So that's where family members and professionals can really assist the patient because if you don't reconcile that medication, one out of five seniors today, people are on Medicare, after a hospital stay are readmitted within 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real drive on to keep people out of the hospitals because Insurance regulations won't pay for people going back into the hospital within that 30-day period. But that's a startling number. One out of five go back into the hospital within 30 days. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of those readmissions are, are preventable. Right. Well, and medication's a huge issue. And, you know, huge I, I, I one, uh, uh, geri- me- medical therapy management or medication therapy management um, geriatric pharmacist that I know, you know, she, she, she said something to me one day. And, you know, I kind of got to thinking even about my own life. She said, you know— pharmacists at you know Walgreens Walmart CVS you name whatever pharmacist you're talking about here she said we learn to count in kindergarten that's not what our job is we want you to stop us and to talk to us about the medications that you need to take but they look so busy back there counting pills that people don't want to actually ask a question and you know one of the biggest issues is filling medications at all because people are home and then they don't have the proper transportation to even get to the, the the pharmacy to fill the medications and then also to your point the reconciliation of what I was on before I went to the hospital and then things got changed you still have your old pills at home so then you start taking what they prescribed you in the hospital plus what you had at home before plus every over the counter and herbal that you know your sister from um, you know Oregon says you should be taking and now you're taking a whole mess of stuff that's all interacting with each other and causes you to go right back in uh, very very true and and I, I tell people when you're coming out of a hospital, environment Mm -hmm. into transitional care you need to take charge of your of your own life meaning that you need to ask questions Mm -hmm. you need to get that second and third opinion you need to make sure you need to understand that discharge plan what the doctors want you to do and somebody asked me the other day what what can i do to become to stop from being readmitted and i said very simple take your medications understand what medications are you required to take follow up on your doctor's appointments have good nutrition and hygiene when you get home and have a family caregiver or a professional caregiver there to assist you that can help you understand what you need an advocate you need an advocate an advocate exactly no matter who you are if if, if i went to the hospital today 
I really need somebody there with me to help me understand everything that's going to happen when they tell me to go home. Because it's just like when you go into the doctor, you have in your mind a thousand questions you want to ask. And then when you see the white coat, everything flies out of your head and you walk out and you're like, crap, I wanted to ask him X, Y, and Z and you forgot. So truly. Absolutely. And if, if you do those things, there's a good possibility your recovery time is going to go well. It's going to be shorter than possibly anticipated but you have to you have to make sure that you follow all those those requirements that they're given to you when you leave that that hospital or rehab environment so i would love to uh, bridge into a conversation about the role of community-based care and how that can actually assist with the transition good point uh oftentimes when people go home from care from a hospital you enter into an, an, a new area of care, which includes possibly home health, home care, a hospice, a PT and OT, physical and occupational therapy. Uh, a neighbor of mine had a hemorrhagic stroke recently, and he was in the hospital for weeks, and he's now home, but he's got physical and occupational therapy coming in every day. He's got nurse care coming in. So that transitional care includes working with a new community base of, of health care workers. Yeah, yeah, that's something that you do have to keep in mind. We've got Tom Arnold here in the studio. He is the CEO and owner of Right at Home, and we will continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you for joining us this evening. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. We have Tom Arnold in the studio. He is the CEO and owner of Right at Home, and we're talking about home care, transitional care. And Nicole, we uh, just brought up the subject of community care, community-based care, uh, right before the break. Yeah, so, you know, we were talking about on the break, you know, the fact that um, hospitalizations are shorter and people are going home sicker. And before we bridge into really how to interface with those community organizations, let's talk a little bit about why that's happening. Well, medical technology has improved incredibly over the last several years. I'll give you an example. I went in the hospital um, several years ago for what's called a cardiac ablation. That's mm-hmm. to get rid of uh, arrhythmia or an AFib. Uh, that was about a three-day stay and about an eight-hour procedure, which included catheters and other mm-hmm. things. Um, that procedure today is an outpatient procedure. I was going to say, yeah, I know somebody who had You're that in recently. And out, <laughs> in and out the same day. So technology, uh, for another good example, is, is uh, a prostate removal. Prostate mm-hmm. removal years ago used to be a 7 to 14 they stay wow. a large blood loss. Today, prostate removal is done with a robot, robotic mm-hmm. surgery, and you often can be in and out the same day. Same thing with gallbladder and other. Mm-hmm. So hospital stays are shorter because of technology. Also mm-hmm. insurance regulations. They have what they call that uh, 24-hour stay. If you're in with less than 24 hours, it's considered an outpatient stay, and it doesn't have the same insurance 
requirements as, as an inpatient stay. That, so they get you in and out in a hurry. Well, and that makes me laugh. You know, I have had three children, and the first children I wanted out of that hospital, first child I wanted out of that hospital as fast as I could. By the time I had that third child, I was like, how many hours will because they wanted to send me home within like 12 hours how many hours will my insurance pay they're like 36 i'm leaving at hour 36 because when i get home i have this one and two other little itty bitties at home and i need a rest so truly yes things have things have greatly changed and so you know technology is a piece of it you know i'm working with a medical device company out of rtp where they have robots that literally there could be a doctor at Johns Hopkins University working with a doctor in UCLA operating, you know, in a, in a, in a ward of, you know, Duke Raleigh Hospital on a patient with no physician even in the room through the robots exactly. doing a technical procedure. I mean, it's amazing, scary kind of, but amazing at the same time that, um, you know, access to certain levels of care is, is actually improving just because of the way our technology has changed. Well, it's the same thing with hip surgery and knee surgery. Um, as us seniors are living longer, mm-hmm. uh, we end up with ailments that we never dreamed of, you know, generations ago. Yep. You know, our, our hips fail, our as, knees fail. That's how he was saying all different cha- interchangeable parts. Interchangeable parts. <laughs> yeah. and, but when you go home, there's a certain amount of recovery time required. You, no matter f- what. Physical, occupational therapy, um, the medications, the new medications you're on. And this is where what you call community-based care comes into being. You may enlist the services of a home care provider mm-hmm. like, like ourselves, uh, a home health provider, occupational therapy. So there's a whole team of people in this community-based care that enter into the picture once you're home to help you recover and get back on your feet into your normal daily routine. And then, of course, then there's the onus of how to pay for it. And people make the assumption that Medicare pays for everything. But the reality of it is most of the care in the community that you're going to receive, whether it's in a, in a long-term care facility or in your home, typically comes out of pocket. A lot of it comes out of pocket. Uh, home care, for example, uh, is not covered by Medicare. Uh, it is covered by Medicaid. Uh, but it's also covered by long-term care insurance, some VA mm-hmm. insurance. So there are some insurance that do pay it, but, but a large portion of it, as you mentioned, is private pay. And a lot of these folks need custodial care. It's, it's just really exactly. care while they're recovering. So then enters in that role of that family caregiver. Well, it's somebody just to help them prepare meals and mm-hmm. do light housekeeping or go to the store. Go get, pick, pick up, up the pills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, transport them to their doctor's appointments because... Those follow-up doctor's appointments are very important. So where where do you see – one of the things that I see often falling apart in the community-based care realm is that there really doesn't seem to ever be a true air traffic controller, sort of a pinpoint organization that's interacting with all the organizations that are placed in a person's home following discharge to make sure that goals are being achieved and that the person has a positive outcome so they then don't bounce right back into the hospital. Uh, very good point because it, it's, it's kind of what they call the silo effect. Everybody operates in mm-hmm. their, own, their own little world. And I think that's where families, um, loved ones, advocates, geriatric care managers, uh, a home care provider that can provide the advocacy, their nurse mm-hmm. or their social worker, these people need to step in and kind of oversee the connection of all these community-based entities together. Now, that's improved a lot over the last few years. Home health, home care, 
a lot of these other organizations are now working very close together. And they're collaborating with the hospital employees, discharge nurse, the doctors before they ever leave the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that plan of care is established by the time they get home. And then they're, and then that, that communication organization is set up so that it all kind of kind of comes together. Where's the linkage, though, hooking up with that primary care physician? Because once that person is discharged back to home, their primary care physician hopefully is the person that's now going to be reinvolved. Do they get connected, or is that still sort of a missing piece of the puzzle? Uh, well, the primary care physician often is kind of taken out of the picture because when you go in for specialized care, you're with us. Too many a different, different specialists. Doctor, yeah. Different practice. You know, your, your primary care physician is not going to replace your hip right. or your knee. Uh, it, it's a specialist that does that. So that communication often kind of falls through the cracks. Mm -hmm. But, it, but again, it, it comes back to the patient themselves need to advocate for themselves. They need to ask the right questions. When, when you leave that hospital, it's, it's funny. When I've left the hospital before, that discharged nurse comes in, sits down at your bedside and says, Mr. Arnold, you're getting ready to go home and sign this, sign this, sign mm -hmm. this. And we want you to do this, this, and this. And, of course, you're coming out of anesthesia. Your, your head's cloudy. And the first yeah. question they ask you, do you have a ride home? And do you have somebody that can stay with you for the next 72 hours? And, mm -hmm. and, and if, you, if, you, if you don't, you need to make sure that somebody's there. So you've got all these questions being thrown at you. And if you don't have somebody there to help you with that, it can be overwhelming. Mm, it, it really can. So talk to us a little bit about the place that private duty in-home care has in this whole piece of the puzzle. Well, private duty in-home care is, is what our organization does mm -hmm. uh, at, right at home. And we're kind of, I call us the mop-up crew. We're the kind of the people that go in there. Home health comes in, uh, uh, you know, an hour at a time. They send their nurse in. The physical therapist comes in and out. But the home care person can be in there, the, the caregiver, for example, for long hours, you mm -hmm. know, anywhere from three hours to maybe around the clock. And they're in there helping with with mobility. They're helping with meal preparation, they're helping with toileting, they're helping with bathing, and all of these requirements that the individual themselves has difficulty doing. And that's, that's where home care really comes into being. In other words, they're the one that's taking, transporting them back and forth to the hospital. They're the ones that's taking notes. Uh, we use what we call a change in condition protocol. And when our caregiver goes into the home, they're like an airline pilot. They go through a checklist of, okay, is there any change in condition? And it's a list of about 15 different things. And if there's a noticeable change in condition, then they alert our nurse. And by noticing these changes early on, sometimes it eliminates uh, uh, hospitalization down the road by being able to understand that there's, there's something going on. Definitely. And so if folks want more information about Right at Home and how to get a hold of your services, how would they go about doing that? Well, they can go to our website, which is uh, wake-reh.com. Um, or they can Google us, uh, just write at home, mm -hmm. go, on, go online. Um, we're in a, in a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of sources. I mean, our literature is in hospitals and doctor's offices. And there's, um, so there's a lot of ways to secure information. And, and we're, we're not the only ones out there. I mean, there's a lot of really good providers. Uh, 
to do what we do and uh, find the right fit for sure so exactly. you know um, we're coming up upon the caregiver summits and you know I'm, I'm really starting to ramp that up Jason and that is a great opportunity for folks that are listening to come on out and actually learn a lot about the community-based organizations that exist and as well as long-term care options yeah finding out about this stuff before you're in a crisis is so key Nicole mm-hmm. um, it's just getting that information ahead of time and you know there's no better place to do that than the caregiver summits. Yeah, and you know, and if folks are you know sitting in a situation where their loved one is adamant about never moving into a long-term care facility, and you're sitting there thinking, well, geez, they have X, Y, Z diagnosis, and this is going to be a situation where they're going to need a lot more care down the road. It is never too early to really start gathering information and trying to prepare to care because trying to make a decision at the bedside upon discharge is way too overwhelming, especially when you're about to come home with that very fragile human being. And I, and I can give you a great example of that. We had a um, gentleman who walked into our office about four years ago, and he said, I don't need any care right now. But he said, my wife passed away recently. He said, I took care of her for years. She was... Uh, totally bedridden, and he said, I've had cancer a couple of times, and he said, it's probably going to come back. And he said, I want to go ahead and set everything up. He said, I want you to have all my information, so all I have to do is pick up the phone and call you. The assessment's been done, Mm -hmm. and you're ready to provide care, and I know it's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, about a year later, we got that phone call, and he prepared ahead of time. That was easy button. Yeah, that, that's, exactly. the, that's the way to go about it. Yeah, that level of preparation, is, it's a tremendous gift for yourself and for your family. We've had Tom Arnold here in the studio, CEO and owner of Right at Home. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. We appreciate having you on. Appreciate it. Again, you can find more information at wake-rah.com, wake-rah.com. we got to get out of here. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.